This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think we can make it clear in regard answer to that question that this entire process, we've never told anybody to come back. We've had conversations with every parent, every kid, multiple times, and it's been made clear all along that player safety is the primary concern. And if parents or the player feel like the kids are safer in Lincoln, then we had a process to make sure that that was handled the right way. If the players and parents felt like they didn't want to come back, then they're stayed there and even on June 1st we're going to have a few that have decided not to be back and that's fine. And back here on the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, Robin Washett, as you heard from head coach Scott Frost, making it clear nobody on this team was forced to come back on June 1. Um, it was optional from the get-go of when guys could arrive. So about 98% of those players in town and uh, pleased to be joined here now by Husker Online's Allie Snow as we take questions in the mailbag. Allie, um, what do you have to lead us off with? First question, are there any names at running back for the 2020 cycle that you feel have Nebraska on their short list today? 2021, probably, Nate. Is... Yeah, probably 2021. Okay, just... Well, I mean, there's there's a handful of guys, but it's, it's interesting because um, Gabe Irvin out of Buford, Georgia, is probably the number one player uh you know number one target of nebraska's at this point in time i would say at least and and he just kind of narrowed his list down does have nebraska in his top five but beyond that you know there's there's probably a group of five or six others that are all kind of it's, it's all kind of a toss-up right now i wouldn't say nebraska is necessarily leading for any of those players or or you know in a lot of cases they're probably on the periphery with a lot of them so um, Gabe Irvin is by far and away, in my opinion, the, the, the top target or the top name at the running back position to know for the 2021 class. Can you go a little deeper into the Ty Robinson position talk? What is his optimal position? I mean, we've debated it a lot that he could play all three, um, whether it's nose or defensive end. Um, I still believe today it's a defensive end, um, kind of based on the bodies Nebraska has between Jordan Riley and uh, Damian Daniels uh, returning. And then you got younger guys coming in like Nash Hutmacher who appear to be a nose. Um, Jakeem Green or Keem Green is a nose. Um, so to me, when you look at the whole depth chart today, I think his size, his length um, is needed on the edge more at defensive end. Well, and we've seen with uh, two Nebraska draft picks from last season, the Davis Twins, I mean, you can play inside and out. So I don't know if he's necessarily going to be pigeonholed into one spot. They'll probably move him based on the, the package and down in distance. He can play inside and maybe more of a pass rush um, situation. So, I mean, I think end might be uh, if you were to just place a designation on him, then maybe outside would be better. But uh, as we've seen, you know, those smaller body types can have just as big of an impact on the inside, uh, you know, given different different defensive packages. Exactly. I, I think that if, if you're going to say, OK, well, what's he going to be listed out on the official roster? Probably defensive end. But he, I think he's going to play an awful lot inside as a nose. And uh Depending on the you know down and distance, what type of package uh, they're they're running at that point in time or uh, whatever, he brings a lot of versatility to the table. And I think the bottom line is he's very very athletic. And they, like Robin said, they don't want to pigeonhole him into one position or another. Uh, they want to have you know want to have options and utilize his athleticism. All right, Allie, what do you have next? Are we a better team with or without Spielman? Um, I mean, that's kind of a loaded question, I would say, um, because obviously he's an all Big Ten caliber player. But 
what I would say is this. If you have a guy that doesn't really want to be a part of it and want to be here and really doesn't have close relationships with his team, doesn't really appear to care to have that many close relationships with the current players now in Lincoln, um, you know, I, I think it's hard. I mean, because he's not going to be here to just be a role player. If J.D. Spielman plays at Nebraska, it's to be the guy. It's to be the featured receiver. And if you have to give that type of role to somebody that doesn't necessarily have that many close relationships with coaches and players and it kind of is, you know, doesn't do interviews, doesn't speak up as a leader, um, you know, I don't – yeah, there, there are a lot of things there that question it, uh, but nobody's denying how good of a talent he is as a player. On the field, no. I mean, he's too good of a player to say you're better off without that caliber of player. Off the field, there are legitimate issues involved there. I mean, there's a reason why he just up and left the program without telling anyone. I mean, there's stuff that uh, that's on his plate personally that needs to get figured out. And until uh, you know any of those issues are resolved, it's hard to say what, uh, I guess – ripple effects are going to come with having him in your locker room. I mean, there's, there's potential that, uh, you know, things could go south on you. So yeah, I, I would probably say in the grand scheme of things with those off the field and personal stuff included, um, you know, it, it's, it seems almost like you got to question if the juice is worth the squeeze. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I, I think that uh, on the field, you're, you obviously you're going to miss his, his ability. Um, you know, he's, he's obviously been very productive uh, but at the end of the season, I don't know if we're going to see just this massive hole of production at that position because JD wasn't here. Um, you know, I, I think he'll be tough to replace, and you don't just replace a guy like that. But I, I don't know if I would necessarily say that you know him not being back or, or whatever is going to cripple that that position by any means. Any chances we see two a thousand yard receivers in the same season these next two years? Um, yeah, anything's possible. I think a lot of it is the rhythm and the flow of this offense. And because of the inconsistency of the running game to start, it made it hard for the rhythm of the passing game. There were so many rhythm issues last year. But I think we got taste at times of what this offense can be. And the game that I always go back to is Illinois. Um, you know, they necessarily weren't playing the best. But just the rhythm and the pace of what they did, it racked up like close to, what, 700 yards that day. And um, Wandell Robinson kind of tired them down. I think when this offense gets people tired like we saw in that Illinois game, and then Indiana tried to stop that by you, – you can say what you want to do, but a lot of players got injured in that game for Indiana when roll, runs were happening by Nebraska. It can be hard to stop, and I, I think that's where it starts. Can they get that consistent run game from Martinez, from Dedrick Mills, and whoever that second running back is – to then kind of loosen things and then make the passing game create bigger plays. The potential is certainly there, especially if you're counting on, you know, a, a select number of receivers to do the primary uh, workload there. But if you look back at Scott Frost, you know, best teams at Oregon, at Central Florida, when their passing game was really clicking, they had numerous guys with roughly 30 catches for roughly six or 700 yards. And so that is the ideal uh, stat line that you want. You want a bunch of guys that are producing at a high level because that means that uh, defenses don't know who to zero in on. There's not one J.D. Spielman. There's not one Stanley Morgan. Uh, when you have six or seven guys that are all viable threats in the passing game, that is when the system is really clicking. Yeah, you, you look back to year one under Frost and – Stanley had over a thousand, and I think JD had seven or was right was, under, was, yeah. Yeah, was pushing eight hundred in that year. So it's totally possible. But 
Um, you know, I look as they are trying to retool that wide receiver room right now, and, and I totally agree, Robin. I think that eventually, once this thing really gets rolling and, and they start to really rack up uh, yardage, uh, it, it's going to be more spread out instead of just one you know, leader they or just, two big time, you know, thousand yard receivers. Yeah. They just haven't had the options. That's, yeah, that's exactly. Like, I mean, when, when you're having to play a lot of walk-ons and key guys in situations, that's tough. All right. Two time for two quick ones, Allie. Is Elante Brown worth the hype? Well, you heard in the last <laughs> All segment, your um, <laughs> Frost, I, I said, what are your thoughts on him early? And, and he said, well, I've only seen him two days, but we've run a couple of these play action type situations that we've tried to run and it's not worked once in two years. And, he took it to the house multiple times on touchdowns over slant routes over the middle. So he brings an explosive play element. Um, I mean, in high school, he was the top football player in Chicago um, and did some great things, then got a year of prep school experience. So there is going to be a role for him, especially if J.D. Spielman, as we think, is not going to be back. Nate or Robin? Yeah, I was just say that that dynamic element, I think, is one way he can make an immediate impact. Obviously, there's hopefully uh, a lot of options that are going to uh, want the football. But if you got a guy that can make a house call like that, especially opening up the playbook and giving that coaching staff plays that they haven't been able to utilize, I mean, there, there will certainly be a big role for a guy like that. And I will, I will also say I fully expect Alante Brown to uh, be a returner of some sort, whether it be punts or kicks. Uh, I do think that he he's at least going to have a very good shot at winning one of those jobs, or if not both of them. And so uh, that's another way that I think that he will make an impact on the field. Okay, let's. I'm going to spitball this to you guys. Starting three wide receivers, obviously Wondell Robinson's the Duck R, Omar Manning the X, Alante Brown the Z, or could it be a still a veteran guy like Cade Warner? Um, you know, it will be interesting. Um, but I, that would be my three today. Yeah, I mean, Cade Warner's got a case just because of his ability, I mean, obviously to be able to block, and he's a security blanket in a lot of ways. So, uh, you know, again... He's going to play. Right, yeah. It's a matter of, you know, how many of those other guys are going to be able to compete for snaps. But I think their most reliable, proven commodities are those three with Cade Warner. But those four young guys, I mean, all those guys are going to push for playing time. Yeah, I I agree. I think Cade is probably going to be able to hold it down uh, as far as being the starter. But I think we're going to see a pretty heavy rotation um, at that spot. All right. Final question, Allie. If rivals told you you had to cover a different team for the 2020 season, which team would you want to cover and why? Ole Miss. Why? Because I would like to to be – I'd like to see that Lane Kiffin – the state of Mississippi in general, yeah, between say. Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin, I mean... I wouldn't want to live in Starkville, though. Somebody made a tweet. Um, they said, it's amazing, a guy that scored a touchdown and got on his knees and peed like a dog, the impact it had <laughs> on on two football coaching staffs at, at Mississippi and Mississippi State. It brought Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin back. You know? Exactly. I mean, it's unbelievable because, you know, the, the guy did that, and then it moved the extra point back, yep. and, then, and then it... Yeah. I mean, yeah, the penalty basically changed the outcome of the game. Yeah, it did. Because, so, all right, I'm going to look at this in a purely selfish scope, and I'm going to say, like, I'll cover Hawaii for a year. How about that? Just go live out there and then come back to Nebraska rejuvenated. That's a that's, that's smart <laughs> move. Um, I was going to say Clemson or Alabama because, you know, or, or Ohio State because – Georgia. Yeah, uh, because of the obvious, you know, they're going to be right at the top of the – top of the the uh, the polls have a chance of playing for it all but boy now that you you mentioned the hawaii <laughs> aspect it's that that might be the move yeah 
Yeah, it is it is a fun, I mean, we're blessed to get to do what we do. And um, yeah, you think about like, where else would be fun? I mean, but we've been so lucky to be around a great fan base and the attention around Nebraska football is why we have jobs. I mean, the, the amount of people, even teams that are losing, you know, the way they've lost, a lot of people still follow what's going on. And um, we're, we're always very lucky to, to get to be around it. Yeah, and you know, it's one of those deals where there's not a lot of, programs that would allow us to do this full-time i mean there's a lot of rival sites and other other outlets that do this part-time you know just because there's just not a demand for it and so that's what makes makes nebraska special we appreciate y'all yeah yep that's that is definitely what sets this program apart is the fan base all right when we come back we will close the show with some recruiting talk including a new commit and maybe another new addition that's next here you're listening to the husker online show